All right. Uh, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights consistently this year, um, I just want to just share with you what we've done so far. Uh, we've gone all the way through the book of Philippians. We've gone all the way through the book of Ephesians. We've gone all the way through the book of Colossians. We've gone all the way through the book of Philemon. We've gone all the way through the book of First John, Second John, and now we're about to finish Third John. Hello. Is that awesome or what? Now, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Now, if you haven't been coming on a regular basis on Wednesday, I just want to let you know that we're going to continue to march through the Bible. So if you come on a regular basis, come January, uh, you're going to back up and look at all the books that we've been through together. And it's going to be so much more alive than it has ever before. And the awesome thing about studying the Bible, line upon line, precept upon precept, is it literally builds your faith. Uh, it's like it's like working out, you know. It, it's Your faith gets bigger, it gets stronger the more you hear the Scriptures. And so the less you hear the scriptures, the weaker your faith. The more you hear your, the scriptures, the stronger your faith. The stronger your faith, the more God moves in your life. One time Jesus was walking the earth over 2,000 years ago. He went back to his hometown. He wanted to do some miracles. He wanted to heal people. And the Bible says that he couldn't because their faith was so weak. It was so low. So what that tells us is to the degree of our faith is the degree by which God will move in our life. And so I don't know about you, but I want the king of the universe moving freely in my life. Is that what you want as well? Come on, somebody, just put your hands together for that. And so let's just build our faith. Is that my little girl bear bear back there? Stand up on your seat, Presley. Let everybody see my firstborn. That's my firstborn. Did you see Mr. Isaiah and Mr. Robert playing the guitar? Did you see that? Was that awesome or what? You see, you know, they, uh, the Rangels have a music school. So if you want to learn how to play like that, you can sign up and be a part of their music school. All right, let's dive right into it. And uh, we'll jump into it. The, the title of tonight's talk is Righteous enemies. I really, I, you know what, I should write a book called Righteous Enemies. And, and these are the enemies in our life that appear to be right. They appear to be right, but they're not. So let me, before we really dive into this topic of righteous enemies, uh, I just want to just kind of talk about what Third John is all about, kind of the construction of the book. Um, it was written by John, um, I know that's going to be hard to remember, uh, but it was written by John. And what's fascinating about John is that John is approximately, according to the commentaries I read, the, theolo the theologians that uh, have been studying the scriptures long before any of us were born, uh, it is a, John was approximately 76 years old. Uh, whenever he penned this letter. Now, what's fascinating is when you read about John, he started following Jesus as a disciple around 15 or 16 years old. Isn't that wild? And now, if you study the disciples one by one, what you'll realize is Jesus was the first youth pastor to ever walk the earth. 
all right? Um, I think there was, I, I think there was like one or two of them that was 20 years old or older. We're, he was dealing with, with teenagers. And, uh, and what I find fascinating about that is he had to catch them before they knew everything. Do you know what I mean? The older you get, the smarter you get, and the dumber everybody else gets. It's just really fascinating on how that works. So uh, he had to get them before they knew everything. And so he's no, John has been following Christ since he was 16 years old. All right. Now Jesus had, had died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. And now he's been imprisoned on the island of Patmos. And of the 12 disciples, he's the only one left alive. Uh, he's, he's by himself. Now, what's interesting is when he started following Jesus, him and his brother James started following Jesus around the same exact time, or maybe hours apart. Now, his brother James, he was the first one to be killed of the 12 disciples for his faith. And so now uh, he, he started off his ministry with his brother uh, his brother was the first one to be killed. And now here, John is the last one alive. Now, um, there, there are certain things worse uh, than being killed. And that's being alive and wishing you were in heaven. Do you know what I mean? And so here he is. He's on the island of Patmos. Now, the island of Patmos is 45 miles off the shore, out into the ocean, 45 miles off the uh, the coast of let me make sure uh, I don't butcher it um, uh, uh, west coast Asia Minor uh, so he's forty five so in other words you're not going to swim that okay you're not going to just you know I'm out of here I'm going to swim this thing no one's going to swim forty five miles on top of which there were all soldiers all the way around that island if if you even would have tried it they would have just shot arrows at him until he looked like a sponge so. There was no escaping off of this island. Um, now, the island itself was 30 miles in circumference. Now, I just learned this uh, recently. So those of you that um, have studied the island of Patmos, maybe you already knew this. Uh, but there was nothing on that island at all that was living. In fact, Patmos is, uh, stands for my killing, which means nothing is, can live on that island. It was completely sterile. There are no leaves. There are no uh, nothing, nothing living. Leaves, trees, bumblebees, nothing, nothing living on this island. Um, it was completely sterile. And so I find it interesting. I want to preach one of these days on a topic. Uh, I'd like to title it The Island of Patmos. Because here John is living and nothing is living and nothing has any potential of living. And in the middle of all this death and all this bad news, uh, in the middle of this desert, so to speak, he gets a revelation from God. Um, and so oftentimes it's our driest seasons where we will experience the things that other people only wish they could experience. And so never underestimate the island season. Sometimes you go through a season where you feel like you're on an island. Nobody understands you. Uh, you can't express yourself to anybody. You don't feel like you have any close friends. Even if you're married, it just feels like you guys are a million miles apart. You feel like you're on an island. Oftentimes, it's on those island seasons, those Patmos seasons, where you begin to experience something with the Lord that you didn't 
even knew, know existed prior to that moment. And so uh, be encouraged by that. Now, um, the, uh, so now he's writing a letter. John is, is writing a letter from the island uh, to a guy named Gaius. Now, Gaius is a businessman. He's extremely wealthy. Now, this particular businessman, uh, what he would do with ministers is he would take care of them. When a minister would come to town, he would put them up. He would feed them. He would bless them. He would take good care of them. And, and so this letter is mostly, or, or the first half of it, is written directly to this gentleman telling him thank you. Telling him thank you for taking care of not only himself, but the ministers that John has sent to him. John sent ministers in that direction, and, and this gentleman would receive them and bless them. So those of you that, uh, that have a heart to bless people financially, uh, you know, with your time, uh, with some of your skills, you know, you can only give three things, and it's very rare where somebody can give all three. Uh, but you can only give your time, your talents, and your assets. And, uh, well, this gentleman, it was his assets that he could give most. Maybe for somebody in this room, you can't give uh, your assets because you don't have any to give. But you can give your talent and you can give your time. But this guy named Gaius, he was very sacrificial. He was constantly investing into ministers and preachers that were coming to town. Um, and so he writes him a letter. And, and I would just want to just kind of pick two things out real quickly about this gentleman. Uh, he says in verse 2, Dear friend... I hope all is well with you, that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. I hope your physical body is as strong as your spirit is. Now, I find that just radical. I love to read the scriptures slowly. Don't read it fast. You'll miss something. Read it slowly, okay? Because what he's saying is, is he's admiring his spiritual strength so much that now he's wondering if he's taken care of himself as much physically. Now, how often do you see that? In today's world, where Mac makeup is like the number one commodity at the mall, in today's world where we pay so much attention to our clothes and, 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 and you know, uh, how many of you have more than one bottle of perfume, right? Go ahead. Come on. Don't, don't lie in church. Just raise your hand. Come on, guys. Don't lie. Uh, cologne. Put your hands up. You know, we're, we're so wrapped up in, in, in how... Uh, we look and we're wrapped up uh, if you know the infomercials at night it's like it just feels this way every single channel is about how to have six-pack abs in like two days right and you know what's that thing that um, you put it right and you like squeeze it thigh masters right thigh masters it's like to put this in here and you're going to have thighs of steel, you know, and you know, you got all this. And I actually did one of those uh, that I got sucked into one. And uh, man, 
I'm just telling you, I, I'm not any bigger than I was before I spent $49.99, okay? I can't run any faster. I can't lift anything more. And, and it said guaranteed. And, and I'm just saying, it's just, it, it wasn't guaranteed. But everything about uh, our world, especially the Western world, is, is just about so much about our physical body. It is so much about our looks. It is so much. I mean, I've gotten a a little bit more saved. I don't care as much about my hair as I used to. (laughs) You know, I'm the only one in my whole family that does not have any hair. When I go out with my dad, they think we're brothers. Like, this is awesome. Is my brother back there? Where's my brother? Yeah, stand up, Jonathan. Look at that big old mop on his head. (laughs) My whole family has a mop except for me. That's just awesome. All right. So, uh, so, but what John is saying here is the exact opposite of how we think and what we prioritize. He's going, wow, spiritually, you are so dialed in. You are so strong. You are so into it. Please tell me that your physical body is somewhere close to that. And and I think that there's just layers of lessons here. I think, first of all, we need to recognize that our spiritual body matters a great, great, great deal. It matters a great deal. And then the second thing that that is kind of hidden under the surface there is if we don't take care of our physical bodies... The race that our spiritual bodies is supposed to run will not finish its assigned race. It will not finish its assigned race. And so uh, God has an assignment for you. And and let's just say, just for a matter of speaking, it's a 26.2 mile race. Don't let your body break down on you on 16. And, and you end up going to heaven too soon because you couldn't put down the bonbons and the Cheetos and the corn dogs. And, and you know what? Uh, I, I just uh, I heard this this joke the other day. This lady um, uh, got hit by a car and uh, she got rushed to the ambulance and she ended up dying and she walked through the gates of heaven. And, and Jesus looked at her and said, don't worry about it. You're, you're going to live. I'm sending you back. You got another 20 more years. And she said, okay, and they kissed, and he sent her back to earth. And uh, she woke up. She was all excited because she had 20 more years to live. So she went down to the cosmetic surgeon, and she got things sucked out and things sucked, pushed in and things injected in and things blown up and big and changed her hair color. She's all excited. She got another 20 years. She had lipo this, injection that, enhancement this. And then all of a sudden, a car drove by and hit her and killed her. And she's standing before Jesus and she said, I thought you said I had 20 years. And Jesus said, well, I didn't recognize you, girl. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know. There's a reason why that joke wasn't in my notes. Um, but I just, <laughs> I just want to encourage us. Let's make sure we live along. And, and let me say this. People, um, uh, I, I was talking to Sly during the service, during the worship part, but I was worshiping at the same time. Uh, Sly, uh, how much weight, stand up Sly, tell me how much weight you've lost. 
75 pounds. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. Let me just say this. I'm going to get off this topic. But what I've noticed is, is people that do not try to have an accelerated heart rate for at least 25 minutes four times a week are always on a diet. They're always on a diet. They're never not on a diet. They're always on a diet. If you can hold an accelerated heart rate, Right for 25 minutes, ride a bike, go running, walk real fast, go skateboarding. I don't care what you do. Just hold it for 25 minutes, an accelerated heart rate, four times a week, and you can actually enjoy your life. You can actually enjoy it. You don't have to just eat grass only, okay? You know, uh, you, you can eat other things. The margin of cheating is a little bit wider. And, and I just got to tell you, um, uh, I've in the last, um, well, I guess it's two years ago, I lost 30 pounds myself. And, uh, and the only thing I've done since then is I just, I go out and run um, four days a week. You know, that's it. And, and I cheat a lot. Um, so if, if you don't hold an accelerated heart rate for four times a week for at least 25 minutes, you're always going to be on a diet. You're never not going to be on a diet and you're going to hate eating. Okay. (laughs) Eating is not going to be fun for you. Now I'm not saying you can cheat all the time, but I can say you'll enjoy your life a lot more. All right. That was my little, uh, quarter thought on health. Uh, verse number four. He says this, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Now watch this. John is calling Gaius his child, his son. Now it's not really his son. It's not really his father, but he's calling him his son. Why is that? Why is he doing that? Because there is a spiritual adoption that takes place throughout the scriptures over and over again. And what is spiritual adoption? Spiritual adoption is simply this. I am taking a personal responsibility in your walk with Jesus Christ. I'm taking a personal responsibility. I talk about it all the time, but I'm going to talk about it for as long as the Lord will give me strength to speak in front of people. I have a mother in the Lord named Jeannie Mayo. I was 19. She was 51 when I met her. If it were not for her, I would not be here right now. I wouldn't even be married to Allie. I would, I would just be a complete mess. I'd probably be wearing something orange, a onesie orange suit. <laughs> I was not going down uh, the right road at all, at all. And uh, when she met me, believe it or not, I had long hair. I had two hoop earrings. I always wore a bandana too low down down this far. See, some of you think I'm making this up because it just sounds like a completely different person. I had it down this road and, and I could just tell you more stories. And, and when she met me, she just said, you have the call of God on your life. And uh, and I thought, well, clearly I'm not the only one drinking. Um, <laughs> she goes, you you have the call of God on your life, and and you need to be in the ministry. And she called me every single day, except for four, 
for nine months straight. She's my mother in the Lord. And when my wife and I were the youth pastors at Lakewood Church, we took our youth group to this youth conference and she was the speaker at the conference. And she held up her hand like this because the lights were so bright. She said, Frankie and Allie, where are you? And so we waved our hand and she goes, where are my spiritual grandkids at? And we turned around, we told our youth group to stand up and there was a couple hundred kids that stood up. And she goes, you don't know me, but I'm your grandmother. It's spiritual adoption. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with who you've birthed in the natural. It has everything to do with who you own. And I just want to encourage you. When you own somebody, the greater the destiny on their life will be the greater the fight. Remember I'm saying that. The greater their destiny, the greater you'll have to fight for them. Yeah, you know, out of the uh, 12 interns that she had, 11 of us were guys. One was a girl. And in 30 years of interning people, she only had one girl. And people would ask her all the time, why do you only intern guys? And she would always say, because guys are harder. And so... Um, I just want to say the greater the destiny, the greater the fight. And so um, let's move on here. Let me move a little bit quicker. A problem was happening in the middle of uh, Gaius's life. Uh, What was happening is there was this other guy named, uh, it's very difficult to pronounce. It's it's Diotrephes, Diotrephes is, is how you pronounce it. Now, for those of you that think I'm pronouncing it wrong, um, that's what pronounce.com pronounces it like, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so take it up with them. All right, pronounce.com is what I use to prepare for my sermons. Okay, here we go. Let me read this in, in verse 9. Um, anyone having a good time tonight? Are you glad you came? You glad you came? All right. Um, this is John. He, he's right in Gaius. And he says, I wrote to the church about this. Uh, I'm just going to call him Big D from now on. Now that, I've, now that I've proven I can say his name, I'm not going to try to jinx it. His name is D. Um, what, I wrote to the church about this. But D, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and with the evil accusations he's making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do, he puts them out of the church. So now we got this guy named D that... Uh, he's having some some uh, a leadership issue. The power has gone to his head, as my mother and the Lord would say. He's been reading his own press release. Okay, the the power has gone to his head, and and now uh, this is where the title comes in really really heavy. What he believes is right has now become his enemy. Okay, and so he's doing a few things that are just horrible. Number one is he really loves to lord over people. Number two is he's refusing to submit to any spiritual authority at all. 
okay? Uh, number three, he's speaking against people. He's talking bad about John. He's talking bad about other people. Number four, he's refusing to host any preachers, any ministers that are traveling in that need his help. Number five, he's telling other people in the church that if somebody comes to town, a minister comes to town to preach to us, don't pay any attention to them. Don't be kind to them. Don't host them. Don't bless them in any, in any way. And then last but not least, if I catch any of you being kind to these preachers, I'm going to kick you out of the church. Now, from our vantage point, it just seems like this guy has lost his mind. And he has lost his mind. But in his mind, from his perspective, he is fighting a righteous enemy. An enemy that appears to be right. But he's not. There's four indications that we know we are fighting a righteous enemy when these four things happen. And, and they all start with self. Number one is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is when, is when you ask yourself the question, what do I believe? What do you believe? Self-righteousness. Now, what he believed is he believed that he was right on all things having to do with church and ministry. He was right. And there was nothing you could do to talk him out of it. And so if you're taking notes today, write this down. How good are, are you at apologizing? At saying, I am sorry. I'm sorry. How good are you at that? Now, if you're only good at saying I'm sorry with putting the word but at the end of that sentence, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Okay? Um, to genuinely say I'm sorry. The next question you can ask yourself is how good are you at changing your mind? Changing positions. How good are you at losing And then here's the last one. How good are you at submitting? When there's somebody that you are supposed to be following, they are your leader. And I don't know what it's, what, there's a million different contexts that this could be happening in. But how good are you at submitting? You will only know if you are good at submitting when there is a disagreement. When there's a disagreement. Now, I could say, I have no problem submitting to so-and-so. I will submit. I don't have a problem with submission at all. Well, that's easy to say when there's not an argument happening. You can only tell if you're willing to submit when your will is against their will. One of the most interesting stories in the Bible, I think this is one of the first stories that rocked me in the Bible. The very first king of Israel was a guy named Saul. When Saul became king, God looked at Saul and said, okay, um, uh, the, 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 oh man, I'm going to butcher this word, Amalekites, how do I say that word? It, was that good? Amalekites? Okay, the Amalekites actually practiced it down the hallway. I was like, Amalekites, Amalekites, Amalekites. So, so the Amalekites, they snuck up on Israel and, uh, and, and fought them and beat them in a terrible battle. Well, when Saul became king, uh, God told Saul, I want you to go attack them. 
And their king is a guy named Agag, King Agag. I want you to go over there and I'm going to bless you. And I want you to destroy Agag. I want you to destroy every woman. I want you to destroy every little boy, every little girl, every dog, every cat, every hamster. I want, if it breathes, it dies. Every cow, every sheep, if it breathes, it dies. And don't take any of the spoils. You see money on the counter, burn it down. You see a bag of gold, kick it to the side. Don't touch anything. That whole place is filthy to me. So, uh, so Saul backed up and he went and got his entire army. And he attacked um, King Agag. Uh, and, and he destroys everything except for the king. Except he, he killed all the sheep except for the finest sheep. He killed all the cows except for the finest cows. He killed everything except for the finest. Well, a prophet shows up by the name of Samuel. And Samuel walks up and says, uh, what did you do? God sent me here. What did you do? And he said, I, well, I did exactly what God told me to do. And, and Samuel said this. He goes, well, then why do I hear the bleeding of sheep. Why do I hear sheep? Why do I hear cows? If you killed everything, why am I hearing that? And where did that come from? And then all of a sudden he gets very self-righteous. He goes, well, the only reason why we kept the, the sheep and the only reason why we kept the cows is because we're going to make a sacrifice to God with that, those animals. Seriously? You're going to pull the God card out? Don't you hate it when people pull the God card out? Well, God told me to. Come on. I'm done, with, I'm done with the God card, right? So that was the first guy to pull the God card out. And so he pulls the God card out. And, and so Samuel says, no, 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 no. No, it, you, you're going to be punished for this. And he goes, he goes, do you remember? Now, this is the part I want you to hear. He looks at Saul and he says, do you remember when you were small in your own eyes? He goes, when you were small in your own eyes, didn't God raise you up and make you great? See, it's, it's an interesting thing when somebody begins to believe that they are right all the time. It's an interesting thing when somebody cannot say sorry anymore. It's an interesting thing when lies are covering up so that you're using lies and lies and lies to cover up so that you can keep your self-righteous image up. It's a very interesting thing because that's when the hand of God begins to come off you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Whatever you can't give praise for is where you are prideful. Whatever you can't give praise for. What you can't give God the glory for is where you're becoming prideful in. And so um, this guy, uh, Diotrephes, Diotrephes, uh, this guy, he had so much potential. There was a point in his life where he had so much potential and so much humility and he got promoted to be over this church and now look what's happening. Um, This righteous indignation is rising up. The second thing is self-indulgent. Self-indulgent, this is the question you ask yourself. What do you do? 
Uh, before it was, what do you believe? Now it's, what do you do? See, self-indulgence is doing exactly what you want to do. Uh, Dio Triffies, he's doing what he wants to do. Now, uh, you know when, when uh, I, I love listening to seven and eight-year-olds talk about the car that they want. Isn't that interesting? I love listening to them talk about the car because they always want some like $50,000 car. I'm like, you're seven, okay? You're seven. You don't even know how to put batteries in a remote control car right. You're seven. It, 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 there's, certain, there's certain promotions and certain blessings that if you get them too soon, you will hurt yourself. Right? You will hurt yourself. There's certain blessings that God has held back from you when you were a teenager and gave them to you in your 20s because you were ready for it. You get a blessing too soon, you will hurt yourself. The, the prodigal son went to his father and said, give me my inheritance now. When you get a blessing too soon, you hurt yourself. Worse than that is if you get a blessing too soon, it will drive you away from God instead of driving you towards God. The prodigal son is an illustration of this. He got his inheritance too soon, and the very first thing he did is he ran out to to self-indulge in every type of sin and debauchery he could possibly find. It is frustrating for us to want our blessings yesterday. I was in Starbucks yesterday reading, um, and I was by myself, and uh, I guess college is back in now, and so these two little girls uh, that had been like 19 years old, I call them little girls because it just dawned on me I'm old enough to be their dad, easily, <laughs> easily, it's not even a stretch anymore, it's e- I could easily, I'm sitting here looking at these freshmen in college, I'm like, I can easily be your dad. I say easily because it's not like it's like, you know, out of the ordinary. I mean, you do the math easily. I'm sitting here looking at them going, oh, my gosh, I feel like grounding you right now. (laughs) Well, anyway, they're talking back and forth for like 45 minutes about I just, you know, if I could just date a guy, I know I would just be so much happier. I'm so tired of being single. I'm just ready to date a guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm so, I'm like so ready. So ready. So, so ready. So ready. So ready. But I'm just going to take this first semester and focus. Focus on my school because I know I need to prepare myself. I need to prepare myself for this guy. And I know he's prepared. I I just want to be ready when I see him. I'm not going to settle. I'm so not going to (laughs) settle. And I'm sitting there going, really? Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It was like in the air, right? I felt like jumping right in. Like, like, I'm so sure. I mean, (laughs) whatever. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. I, you know, for your own safety, I hope you don't meet anybody for like 15 years. 
for your own safety. You know, I, I just really, and, and I'm sitting here thinking this because I know, and they're going back and forth, and it's always interesting when kids talk, because when kids talk, uh, I shouldn't say kids, um, when, when the immature talk, um, <laughs> they keep the topic on themselves, Right? And so you got these two little girls, 19 and 21 year little girls, and they, every time they open their mouth, the sentence is starting off with the word I. Like, and so they're talking with each other, but each of them are taking turns talking about themselves. So neither one of them give a rip about what the other one just said. <laughs> it's just like they're waiting for that person to take a breath so they can start talking about themselves again. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, you guys don't care about each other. You're just really happy to be sitting with somebody so that you can talk to somebody about yourself. (laughs) I know we don't know anybody like that, right? So I'm sitting there going, my goodness, it's just all about you. It's just all about you. But when you're 19, I guess you can get away with that. Um, Kind of, I guess. But I'm I'm sitting there thinking, I hope you don't get a guy too soon. I hope you don't make too much money too soon. I hope you don't get married too soon. I hope all of these things don't happen too soon. Because this particular man, Diotrephes, he got promoted too soon. And it went to his head. You know, when you go through rough times and then you finally get what you've been praying for, you receive it with humility. Are you with me? You, you receive it with humility. And uh, I'll tell you what, when we started this church, we had three people show up to the first day. Three. The day before our first Sunday, we had zero when I say zero, I mean zero. Churches launch nowadays, their first day they got like 75. I'm like, wow, oh my goodness. I'm talking to this guy the other day. He's got $45,000 in the bank and he's got like a truckload of families ready to go. And I'm like, what? Where did these families come from? Where did that money come from? I, we had zero. We had two donuts, okay? Zero money, zero people. Zero. How do, I, don't, I still don't understand how churches can start off on day one with 100 people. I still, don't even tell me where those people are coming from, okay? Don't tell me. But I'm just like, wow. Now, I, I, I hated those days. I hated those days. But now that we're 10 years old, every time I see somebody come in, every single one of you, I'm looking at you and I'm like, man, I, I'm so grateful you're here. <laughs> Everyone. I'm like, I am so privileged that you're here because I distinctly remember like it was yesterday having nobody and so even though I haven't met some of you I know you by face you know me by face we just haven't talked yet Uh, I'm so thankful you're here because promotion and blessings and growth didn't happen very fast And so just kind of keep that in mind whenever God seems to be taking his sweet little time. He owns the time and he sure does feel, he does manages it very efficiently. (laughs) God is very efficient with his time. I love you though. Anybody love the Lord? All right.
Number three, and I, I'm, I've only got two more points. I'm going to move through them. Is, is self-promotion. Who do you praise? Who do you talk about? Who do you lift up? This guy did not want anybody being taken care of except for him. And if you took care of anybody else, then he kicks you out of the church. What kind of pastor is that? The dude's lost his mind. And so um, it, he would talk bad about John. And he would talk bad about other speakers. He would talk bad about other people. I just want to say this. I've gotten on this soapbox before. I'm going to get on it again right now. Anytime you talk negatively about anybody. I don't care if it's Neil Armstrong. If you're talking bad about anybody, you are accusing them of not holding the standard and the expectations that you have for them. Let me say it again. You are accusing them of not holding the standard and the expectations that you have for them. Now, why is that accusing word so important in this particular point in the teaching tonight? Because the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So when you accuse somebody, where did you learn that from? Who whispers that into your spirit? Who whispers that into my spirit? And a lot of times the enemy will camouflage that accusation with a joke. And so we're being funny and we're kidding, but we still wouldn't be funny and be kidding like that if that person was standing right here. Right? If they were standing right here, we wouldn't be saying those jokes. It's still an accusation whether you laugh about it or you do it with a serious face. It's still an accusation. An accusation is taught to us by the enemy. The Bible says that the Satan goes before the, the, the father and accuses the brethren. So let's not ever do that. And so that's what this guy was doing. And number four, the very last one, is he was self-absorbed. He was self-absorbed. Um, uh, he, he was one of those guys that wanted to talk about himself. So here's the question. Who do you care about? Diotrephes, uh, Diotrephes, he, he only cared about himself. Now, here's the thing. Um, we can, who we care about is reflected not in our words, but in our actions. Okay? It, it's not in our words, it's in our actions. Um, I really, really challenge myself to invite people to church. I really challenge myself. And when I go too long without inviting somebody to church, I mean, I ask God, God, I need you to bring somebody in my path that I can invite to church. Because I can say that building the kingdom is important to me. But if I'm not building the kingdom with my actions, then who am I fooling? I might fool you, but I'm not fooling God. And so, am I self-absorbed in my own relationship with God? 
Do I have a self-absorbed attitude that when somebody messes up my schedule, how ticked do I get? You know, something interesting happened the other day. Um, before I wake up in the morning, I got my whole day planned, okay? I got my whole day planned. Well, um, right in the middle of my day, I noticed uh, that this person in my neighborhood had a flat tire. I saw the flat tire, and I thought, it's not yours, just keep on driving. <laughs> but I knew the situation, and I knew the story about that person. And so I thought, yeah, if I don't help them, they're in trouble. If I don't help them, they're in trouble. And so in my mind, I'm realizing my whole day is about to go to the toilet over helping this person. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. So I do it. It was so interesting because it was a brand new car. And this type of vehicle does not come with a spare tire. So I take the whole tire off. And then it doesn't come with a spare tire. And I'm thinking, there's only like one out of a thousand cars that get sold brand new that doesn't come with a spare tire. And this is that one. <laughs> so I'm like, this is so awesome. So now <laughs> I got to go down to like discount tire to get the tire fixed and then bring it back and then put it on. Well, there's a lock on the tire. This person couldn't find the lock. It just turned into a dandy of a day. We put it on there. My whole day was like... <clears throat> I get in the car. My hands are dirty. My fingernails are all dirty. And I know you guys are really going to... The, the ladies are going to laugh. And the gentlemen are just going to be disappointed. Okay? So here it comes. I don't like my hands being dirty. <laughs> okay? All the guys are just like... I got, my hands are like filthy dirty. I'm driving my truck like this, <laughs> okay? I'm driving it like this, and I'm thinking about all the things I was supposed to do today. And it dawned on me that what I just did today is going to be remembered in that person's mind long after I forgot about it. And anything I was supposed to do today, I don't even... This is just the next day. All this happened yesterday. This is just the next day. I don't even remember what I was supposed to do. And I just find it so amazing on how hell magnifies unimportant things to keep us focused on unimportant things so that we don't stay focused on the most important things when it basically just comes down to investing into other people and fighting this sick side of us that is so self-absorbed. In a weird way, I know I just ended the sermon by saying this sick side of us. I really hope you were encouraged tonight. <laughs> Why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? 
<laughs> these are the times where I need the Holy Spirit, Jennifer, you know. <laughs> I just, just need the Holy Spirit to just to take over. Why don't you just bow your head and let's give the Holy Spirit an opportunity just to touch our hearts just for a minute.